All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Lions Guide podcast, where we take on topics in performance and personal growth by exploring the success stories and lessons learned of our guests through interviews. We do some book reviews and talk about other resources that help us all establish clarity, build courage, and lead. I'm your host, Dale Walls. I'm the founder of Lions Guide and a certified high-performance coach. And on this episode, we've got Mr. Kyle Killinger, who is a fellow Marine Corps veteran and uh Kyle's on a mission right now, and it's 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 pretty awesome. I'm 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 stoked that he came on and, and talked about his story and what he's doing. But he's currently running three thousand three hundred and thirty three miles from San Diego, California, over to Washington D.C. in four months to raise awareness for the twenty two veterans that commit suicide every day, and that the, and those that suffer from PTSD and other ailments. And you know, so this was a great conversation. I really enjoyed kind of. I'm thankful that he took the time out because, you know, once you hear what he's doing, I can only imagine just how tired this dude is and, and, and get through it. So the fact that, uh, he, he took the time out to talk to, talk to me here and, and, and I'm very thankful for that and, uh, and share a story, how he got here, um, you know, and, 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 and his current mission to wait, raise awareness to his calls, um, and, and how it's going, you know, so uh, from a running perspective, I kind of dig into a little thing, a few things there, but we talk about mental health. We talk about just life changes and, and, uh, his own challenges that, that he's gone through that brought him to this point. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great, uh, I mean, his example really inspired me, you know, as throughout that conversation and really, and I love it, you know, to me, you'll, you'll hear on many podcasts, you'll hear me say often, you know, if you're following any of my stuff, man, you know, just setting the example, man, is the the number one leadership trait. So uh, Kyle's out here setting a great example of what he's doing, you know, from running, running across the country, um, you know, in a little zigzag way. So the, he'll talk about this, but, you know, straight shot is 2,000 miles. So he he broke 2,000 miles, um, you know, day before we recorded this. Uh, so he's already technically run across the country, but the way he laid out the route um, for various reasons, he's running about um, – you know, he's still only two thirds away to go. He's got another uh, 1300 miles or so to, to keep going. So uh, really inspirational uh, story and conversation. I, I enjoyed it a lot. So um, if you like the sound of that, before we get going, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of other great guests and content that we've got going on. Um, as always, this podcast is sponsored by Lions Guide, which is my company that I'm working with folks who are, you know, in a state of transformation. You know, I've got a, a lot of, um, you know, uh, value to bring from my experience in, in leadership, growing a company as an entrepreneur, as a high performer and so on. So uh, Lions Guy brand is is that you know, helping folks that um, are looking to grow um, and looking to meet the demands of life. Um, you know, I also offer coaching for folks that uh like myself, we're on the path of entrepreneurship, maybe own a business or, or are an organizational leader, um, you know, which are all, you know, high demand roles, which, which require us to be a high performer um, and, and level up. And so if you're that business owner or, or that team leader or whatever, uh, your business, your team is only going to grow as much as you're willing to grow. So uh, I step in and that's what I enjoy doing today, helping people out and finding uh, their next level of growth through, um, you know, our membership, our community, uh, group and one-on-one coaching. Uh, so get out there, Lions Guide, check that out. Um, subscribe to the newsletter at least. Um, subscribers get subscriber access to various free resources. But um, if you're enjoying the podcast, you actually get access to the podcast as soon as you're do- they're done being produced. So, you know, after I do these recordings, um, I pump them up there in the subscriber access area so you can check them out and, and enjoy them as soon as they're ready uh, rather than waiting for the uh, platform release uh, each week. So um, aside from all that, we've got some uh, 
uh, cool Lions Guide gear out there. So check that out and and look for updates on that because that stuff's um, getting refreshed uh, often and, and put some new cool stuff out there that I hope you enjoy. And that all said, I'm ready to kick this thing. So let's uh, get into get into Kyle's story and talk about it. And that's that. So on with the show. Guys, welcome back to another episode of Lions Guy Podcast. And to, on today's episode, we've got Kyle Killinger, who is currently running 3,333 miles from San Diego to California, or from San Diego to Washington, D.C. in about a four-month period, really to raise awareness for the 22 veterans that commit suicide every day and those that suffer from PTSD and other ailments. So, Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. So, so you were uh, dialed in from a camp, or where, whereabouts are you right now? Uh, we are in a town called Beggs, Oklahoma. Beggs, Oklahoma. So, what's your trek? Are you coming? To, like, what's it? The forty that comes across the south of the U.S., or is there any kind of uh, you know around sixty six right now um, till Tulsa, I think. Yeah, and then from Tulsa, we're heading to St. Louis. So it's uh, I can't run on interstate, so it's all like highway like highways and back roads and stuff like that uh, okay yeah i, mean, I guess you got to kind of keep off do you have like a caravan behind you and i have a the rv that i'm in uh, my driver yeah. he goes up about uh five or six miles and pulls over and waits and if i need something i stop if not i just keep going and then uh basically leapfrog the uh the rest of the day and then once we hit the goal we find an rv park or a hotel and camp out and then go out and do it again the next day yeah, nice. <laughs> so we're we're chatting it up, you know, a day after you've broken a milestone of two thousand miles, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's awesome. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. And this, um, well, before we get into all this, man, like, let's let's get into you for a minute. Like, who are you? Where'd you come from? You know, what's 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 a little background on you? Yeah. Um, so I'm from uh, Columbus, Indiana. It's a little town. Just south of Indianapolis, it's right in the middle of uh, Indianapolis and Louisville. So, uh, born and raised there. Um, I currently work in a factory when I'm not doing this, uh, but uh, I joined the Marine Corps in uh, 2007. Uh, my best friend just decided uh, that I should go talk to a recruiter because so he could get a, a, a promotion out of it, and uh, I just decided that you know. Two days later, I went. I, I went and talked to a recruiter, and then two days later, I was in San Diego. <laughs> so uh, it moved pretty quick. But uh, so uh, you you had no plan necessarily to join. That, no, definitely not, not like that, right? You just not, like, yeah, hey, no, yeah man. Really. I'll go have a conversation, and exactly. <laughs> and like, boom. It, can't hurt, it can't hurt to talk to a recruiter. What's, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> little know, does little. Forty eight you know, hours right? later, I'm standing on you know footprints and MCRD. Yeah, but, uh, I was in for about two years. Uh, infantry and then got out and then um, I didn't really do much with my life for the longest time. And then um, I met a guy named Ryan Weldon in a bar in 2015 that was walking across the country uh, for the same cause. And uh, I had no idea about the 22 a day. And uh, cause when I got out of the military, you know, I pretty much shunned everything and got into drinking really, really bad. And, so when I met him and found out about the 22 a day 
and uh, I thought that was really inspiring and what he was doing and I followed his journey and I told him that I wanted to do something like what he was doing on a smaller scale because I wasn't brave enough to just sell everything I had and you know go across the country like he did and uh, yeah the place I worked at we were shut down for the first first week of July every year for just a company shutdown and uh, he said that I should do something on that time and uh, what what do I think I could do He's like, well, you, you know, you told me you like to you like to run, so why don't you see how far you can run in that week, week and a half, whatever? And uh, I said, okay, you know, I can do that. And he's like, how far do you think you can run in that time? I was like, I could probably run about three hundred miles. And I had called him crazy for wanting to walk across the country, and then he laughed when I told him that I wanted to run three hundred miles in about a week. Right. But uh, he said, you know, only, only Marines can only be so crazy and do something so so dumb at the same time. But. Uh, <laughs> So I planned, uh, within six weeks, me and him planned uh, the first run in 2016, that first 300 miles I did. And uh, I did that for four years. And then um, last year, COVID happened. I couldn't do anything, obviously. I shut everything down. And hey, uh, Even though it was all outside, like you're running outside, obviously. So even with that, you, you still couldn't manage it with COVID. Right. Going on. Financially wise, you know, I couldn't raise, uh, right. couldn't raise money, couldn't get sponsors and stuff. So um, this year uh, I work in a new place and they had known about what I'd done in the past, you know, the 300 miles couple for the four years. And uh, I asked them if I, if they would do something, he let me off again for that. And once I got it written up and everything, I went and presented it to the general manager and uh, he took it to the president and the head of HR. And two days later, they said that they were going to let me off work for four months. And they let me keep my health insurance. I didn't even ask for that, which was, which was huge for me, you know. And uh, here I am, 2,000 there miles later. <laughs> so did, was that your ask? Were you asking for, you know, to do the cross-country thing at, at this point? Because like, it sounded like I was hearing you you were asking, like, hey, I've been doing this every year. Will you give me the week off? Were you going in there asking for a week and they gave you four months? Or did you kind of go, hey, I want to take this bigger this time around? I, I, took, I, I went in there and I was like, you know, this is what I normally do. Um, and most of them knew what I had already done. But, like, this is what I normally do. This is what I really want to do, you know can I have this much time off work? If not, can I have the week? Right. You know, and, uh, I told him what it was for and what it was, you know, what it was about and everything. And, uh, I asked him on a Tuesday and on Thursday they called me and told me that they approved it for the four months. And I honestly wasn't expecting it because, you know, four months off work is a long time, you know, obviously not getting paid for it, but still, but, uh, they, uh, come back and said that, you know, they approved it. And after that, it was, Balls to the wall planning. How much leeway did you have from the time they approved it on that Thursday until you were going to take off? Uh, about three or four months, I think. I'm not oh, okay. really sure. I, I forget when it was approved, honestly. But uh, once it was approved, though, it was as soon as I get off work, you know, I'm planning, you know, the route. And I had to find an RV and uh, a driver and everything else. So it, it I was supposed to start in June, but I didn't have a driver at the time. So I pushed it back to start in July. I pushed it back a month. And uh, I met uh, a guy, well, the guy who's driving, he uh, he heard about it. We didn't even know each other. Uh, he heard about it through a mutual friend, and uh, he teaches auto mechanics. Uh, and he's like, I'll take this semester off and drive for you. Um, are you sure? 
it's going to be boring. Right. Like you sit in an RV all day, but you know, and uh, he took that on him. And uh, actually I drove the RV over to his house in Ohio. Um, and then they, we, he, he did him and his wife did a crap load of maintenance on the RV that basically if I wouldn't, we wouldn't have done it then it wouldn't, this wouldn't have happened because we would have broke sure. down a long time ago. <laughs> so, I mean, it all worked out, you know, we had to push it back a month, but it all worked out. And, uh, we're out here every day in the heat and just doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's funny how things work out, right? I mean, the way you say that, right? Like if it weren't for him, it, you know, he, he just heard about it, volunteered and then boom, you know, he's, he's part of your crew. If it worked for him, like you wouldn't, it wouldn't yeah. have made it. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So what, um, you know, I, I saw a little bit about, so, uh, what was the influences to even join in the Marine Corps? Right. I know, I know we got you, right. We got the best salespeople in the world as the recruiters, but what, what, what were your influences to even be having the conversation? You mentioned your friend, but was there anything else kind of behind, uh, you know, yeah, I had, uh, I had like my dad had five uncles in World War II mm-hmm. and, you know, his brother was in Vietnam and I had other family members on my mom's side that were military so my grandpa and everything else and you know i always had that had that background a little bit but i never thought it was something i would do and then uh it was really just a simple my best friend just talked me in to go talk to him and then the recruiter came to my house and talked to my parents that day you know after i talked to him and i went and took the asvab the next day and then that following day i was flying out to san diego Oh, so was, yeah, I didn't even put piece all that together because, man, I, I, I enlisted in 98 and I depped in for a year. So it was like, like I can't yeah. relate, you know, <laughs> I had yeah, a year best, worth of like. My had depped in, you know, he was, <laughs> he did that when he was uh, 17, I think. And uh, it was, it was really quick when my drill instructor found out how quick all of it happened. He's like, how big was your bonus? And I was like, what bonus? What, I was supposed yeah, to get a bonus a out bonus? of this? Your, your buddy got the bonus. He got the meritorious yeah. PFC promotion. For, yeah. For <laughs> that's but, hilarious yeah, it's all good it was it was a lot of fun i enjoyed it and um what were you doing what was your job in the marines you mentioned infantry what what uh I was 0351 as assaultman um which they later combined that with just regular infant, uh rifleman oh, okay so it was it was a lot of fun until they combined it with you know just a rifleman are you uh, active or active or reserve or yeah I was active active and you did a two-year yeah. enlistment yeah i was out in camp pendleton Okay, cool. Yeah, time. Good, it good, was, uh, good spot to be. Eh, yeah, yes and no. <laughs> it, it, was, it was nice because, you know, it's California, but it was bad because it was California. Yeah, exactly. But every, there's it's, everything out there. Yeah, I was at Pendleton too. In fact, it's a it's a long story. Yeah, I'll tell you someday. But I wasn't supposed to get there. I was I was supposed to be close. I'm from Maryland. I was trying to get back home. Like you know, when I enlisted, I was supposed to be going to MOS school in Quantico. Come to find out, it hadn't been in Quantico for eight years. My recruiter failed to tell me that part of it. So um, I was uh, with my high school sweetheart. So the whole time I'm like enlisting. I'm trying to preserve the relationships. I'm like, no, I'll be in right in Quantico. You know, I'll be home on the weekends, whatever. And then I got the school actually had moved to 29 Palms. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I went from, yeah, I'll just be right in Quantico to coming home from MCT going, yeah, I'm going to 29 Palms, California. And, and then I, I busted butt in to in MOS school to get like my pick a duty station, as they tell you. 
Yeah. So it's tied for like top three in the class. So, and the other two guys had no desire to go back east. One wanted to go to one wanted to go to Okinawa. One was a lap mover and was going back to New York. So I was like, "Hey, man, first pick of you know whatever I want, right?" And so I I fill out the sheet. You know, it says where do you want to go, and you just you don't get to pick. You get to tell what your three choices are. So yeah. I circled like number one, I want to go to Quantico. Number two, uh, I'll, I'll take Camp Lejeune. Pick number three. Just give me anywhere's on the East Coast, right? I'm trying to get back home to to my wife, my wife now, Jody. And um, so I turn the paper in, get get my orders back. Okinawa, Japan. I'm like WTF, man? <laughs> like what is going on? And so um, that's when I learned, like you don't get your pick a duty station if your pick aligns with the needs of the Marine Corps. Then you know you you yep. get it by de facto. So um, we're all out in the smoke pit afterwards, out smoke, but you know, that's what we do. So when we're standing there and everyone's, so the orders for my class, there were uh, basically 14 of them. The majority of them were to Okinawa. So there was nothing for East Coast. So anyone who requested anything East Coast automatically got Okinawa, which was me. So um, I'm at staying out there and, you know, between on break or whatever and, there's this guy who's complaining, like he's, he's upset about it. And I kind of go, Hey man, it's cool. Hey, we'll all be in Okinawa together. Right. You know, we'll, we'll make the best of it. It's only a year. And, uh, he goes, Okinawa, man, I didn't, I'd rather go to Okinawa than where they got my going. I said, man, where, where they got you going? He's like, uh, camp Pendleton, California, man. I hate California. Well, this dude had, you know, he thought all of California was, like 29 palms. Right. So he, I was like, you'd rather go to Okinawa? And he goes, yeah, I'd rather go to Okinawa than stay in this place. I'm like, okay, so you must go talk to the gunny. So we went into the gunny and swapped our orders. I went to Camp Pendleton. He went to Okinawa. So, nice. uh, so, but it was, it was like a comedy of like me telling my now wife, like, yeah, I'm I'm not going to be that far. I'm not going to be far. And it was like, every time I said that, I just got farther and farther and farther away. (laughs) Yep. where i was ended up so um did you did you deploy during your enlistment no i didn't no stayed at pendleton the whole time kind of just yep. exercising up and all that stuff that's that's fortunate. Yep. um so you, you you've been doing all these runs like at the time that you did this first one like i don't know how do you how do you how were you ramping up then like were you a runner or, or you you were just truly going off ryan's inspiration and, and saying okay i can i can go do this what what kind of How'd you break the ice, I guess, is, is something I'm curious about. Uh, I've always been a runner, really, since you know, I was pretty young. You know, I grew up in the trailer park, and everybody would always be riding their bikes or running everywhere. Um, that's really where it started, and I was one of the few people that actually liked doing that. Everybody always wanted to ride their bike, and I didn't care. I'd, I'd rather run, you know. But uh, And then once, you know, once I got older, and then my best friend had wanted to be a Marine since he was like, six years old. So basically his whole life was preparing for the Marine Corps. So every time was his family, yeah. Was it like a family inspiration? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he'd always go out and do pull-ups and stuff, you know, and runs and stuff. And he would always kick my ass on the pull-ups, but I would always kick his ass on the run. And, uh, you know, just like that. And then, um, once I just, you know, cause he was training like pretty hard, when I joined, like right when I joined, because I got my GED before he graduated, because we're the same age, but uh, he stayed in school and got his high school diploma. I went and got my GED, and uh, so he was he was training pretty hard, and I was training with him. So once I went to boot camp, you know, it was just like 
running wise, it, it, it didn't change because I was running all the yeah. time. Yeah. And then after that, it just stuck with me and I really never stopped doing it. Um, uh, even though I'd, I'd messed up my knee pretty bad and, uh, I still would try to run on it and then hurt it even worse, you know? And then I had to stop for a couple years after I got out just because it was so bad. And, the doctors didn't want to do surgery on it because it wasn't bad enough. Sure. It was bad, you know, it was bad enough for me. But, uh, so I just, I stopped running for a couple of years, you know, I did a lot of stretching stuff and, uh, some supplements and everything else and just let it heal. And then, uh, I had a friend that asked if I wanted to do a Spartan race with him Then I never done one. So, um, I got out there and started running again. The first thing I did was, you know, run a mile and a half and, it was, it was rough. It was a really rough mile and a half, but, you know, just did that. And I did, did the Spartan race and we did two more a couple weeks after that. And, uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to start running again yeah. full time, but not full time, but as much as I can, you know, with while I'm working. And, uh, that was around the time that I met Ryan and then it just went from there. Um, the first, the first 300 miles I did, I had six weeks of training and planning, and that's not enough training <laughs> for 300 miles. It's not, no right? matter what, who you are. Um, I had the worst shoes of my life. Um, I was running in like just K-Swiss tubes at the time because I didn't know about like actual good running shoes. Um, I had shin splints, stress fractures, everything you can think of that first year. Uh, but, you know, but I did it. And then but now what was the math on it? Were you seven, like 300 miles in seven days, 300 miles in five days? The first year was nine days. Okay. Uh, it was like a, I think it was like a Saturday through a Sunday thing. I can't remember exactly like the days, but it was nine days for sure. Um, and uh, once I, you know, once I told Ryan, Hey, I can run 300 miles. I had to find out where 300 miles away from where I lived was, you know, so I was originally going to run from like just the state line of like where Michigan, Indiana is down to like Kentucky and Indiana. But then, uh, he was like, you know, it's probably easier if you just end where you live. And then, uh, so that yeah. way I, I just pushed the start point back. I found a place that I could start. At. I wanted to start on Lake Michigan, uh, spent water Michigan's right there. They have a great big beach and it's an awesome little, little bitty town. But, uh, uh, I met some people. I had, I had a, one of my friends that, drove me up there and he drove for the first like three days, him and his son. And, uh, I made it back. It was, it was, it was probably the toughest if, or the second toughest year that I've ever ran. Cause it was the first year I'd ever done it with a little bit of training and bad shoes. But, uh, once I got back, you know, uh, Ryan actually flew in and was there the day I came in where I lived that, that last day. And, it came like full circle, you know, what he was doing and then like, uh, I'm doing, you know, something like what he was doing, a little smaller. But, uh, and then they asked me, they're like, are you going to do it again? I said, yeah, I think I'll do it again next year, you know? And then I went to an actual running store and they fitted my feet for the right kind of shoes and stuff. And it made, the second year made a world of difference because running on actual shoes that were made for that. Right, um, made it made a huge difference. So it's been a lot. What, of so so that's a that's nine days, three hundred miles. It's that's a mar- that's a, over a marathon a day. Mm-hmm. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's going through? Like, were you hitting? Were so having run only marathons, distances like in one stint like that. Like you hit that wall. Like in your this, especially the first one, or maybe you, you run this often. Like, are you hitting the wall? Like, are you hitting the oh, right yeah. wall on the first one? Or you're hitting the wall on the other mm-hmm. ones, the current one, or are you just? Oh yeah, that, that that'll probably never go away that wall but uh so like the first year i think it was like i think it was around 35 miles a day i think um you know i would get up at like 4 a.m you know run for a couple hours eat you know rest stretch and everything else um and there's days i wouldn't get done until seven eight o'clock at night you know However long it took to make however many miles it was that day, you know. Yeah, so you're uh, running. So 16, like you hit that sixteen hour days, right? Yeah, running. You, you, know, you hit yeah. that. You hit that wall usually. Like sometimes for me, it's different, but usually it's around mile eighteen or so, and it's like your legs are hurt, they're tired, but then you know the, the one of the biggest things for me is you know remembering what I'm doing it for. You know, the people that are suffering have went through way worse things than I'll ever go through, you know? So, you know, that helps. And then, um, people, people that support you and stuff that help push you along the way, you know, that's a big thing too. So it's, yeah, I imagine you just with that support group around you and the followers and the encouragement or all that stuff, like you just don't want to let those people down, right? Like there's exactly, kind of like yeah, that, yeah. that wave behind you kind of like, you know, yeah. you're riding that wave, you know, as much as mentally you're probably like, man, you know, yeah. And one of the hardest things is like, you know, when you're on a run like that, after like the third day, you're just like, I don't want to anymore. Cause you know, it, it takes, it takes a tremendous amount out of you. Um, you know, I've done, I did the 300 miles four times and it, it was never easy. It was right. never easier. Um, but you know, getting to meet people along the way, talk to them, tell them, why you're doing it and listening to their story and, you know, just connecting with people that helps refuel, refuel you and keep going too. So it's like, you know, I have people come up to me quite often that, you know, they lost someone in their family due to suicide. And I'm like, Mm. all right, that's why I'm here. You know, I'm going to run for you, your family, you know, anyone else that feels like they're struggling, you know, feel like they don't have that option. Yeah, you do. I'm here for you you're here for them, you know, other organizations and stuff. And the more that I've done this, the more people that I've met, the more organizations that I get involved with that can help these people, you know, and it's just like, that's why I'm doing it. You know, that's, that's worth the pain and, you know, the the heat and tired, you know, everything else. That's that, that'll go away, you know? So that's, that's the biggest, biggest thing that keeps me going though, really. Yeah, no, that's, that's powerful stuff, man. And what, with regard to like, <laughs> how has it evolved, right? Like, so even when you did the 300, when you, when you did the 300 mile runs, were you like stacking, was it all the same amount every day or were you kind of loading more in the beginning with less uh, yes. volume in the latter days or? Yeah, I always made sure that like the last two days or so were my, my easier days. Um, and like the last day was the only day I had like a time schedule. Cause I had to be, mm. you know, in town by this time. So that way everybody could be there or whatever. But, uh, the third year I did it, 
I did it from Huntsville, Alabama back to Columbus, Indiana. And I did that in five days. That was the hardest year. That was harder than the first year because that was like 75 to 80 miles a day. And that's still the most I've ever ran in a 24 hour period was 81 miles. Um, I've, I've said a few times I would like to do an ultra marathon, like a hundred miles in 24 hours. But after doing that, I don't know. If, I don't know if I'd ever want to do that now just because I know right. what that 81 miles took out of me. And that was 19 hours. So, but, and is that your, when you did that, was that like your, that was at the beginning of the run? The first day was 81 miles. Yeah. Uh, the very first day was 19 hours. So I had like six hours, seven hours to get shower, eat, stretch and sleep, you know, and get up and do almost that much the next day. Oof. I was like, I think like 76 miles or 77 miles. That how's, how's that first step feel, man? <laughs> the first step. So like I've learned, like, especially after the first year, I'd always have my, my phone or my GPS or my watch, whatever at the time set to that day's goal, you know, it, like that, that year. And in that case, you know, 81 miles I had. And like, if you look at that, you don't want to start that, you know, I've learned one mile at a time, one step at a time, you know, one minute at a time. Don't think about how far you got to go because that is, for me, that is a huge, like demoralizing, oh, daunting yeah. feeling, you know, you know, if you think, Hey, you know, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to run for an hour. How far can I get in an hour? Or, you know, I want to run, I'm going to run for this long. You know, like, yeah. oh, can I make it this far? And then I'll stop, rest, get some water, whatever. Let's try it again. You know, let's go for 30 minutes this time. You know, if I need to take a nap, I, you know, I'll stop for a little bit and take a nap. You know, right. Refuel and then just hit it again. So there's a lot that goes into it. It's like I've never just ran the whole day's goal without stopping and, you know, rest or eat or, you know. Oh, of course. Because, you know, I've ran for pretty much 20 some years of my life and you learn to listen to your body. You know, if you need water, you know, if you need food, you know, if you need, you know, salt, you know, that's the thing that a lot of people don't really think about when you run a lot, a lot of distance salt's bad because you know, it helps retain water, but you need that, you know, so that way you don't sweat it all out. Sure. Yeah. It's, do you still do that? Do you start with your watch? Have you changed? Is that something that you've changed? Like now you just kind of one hour, one so mile. Now time. I know, especially for this run, um, my driver, uh, Mike, his name is Mike. He will actually look out, Hey, we need to do, cover this many miles. So what RV parks or hotels are close to this mile marker? So he'll find one and then, all right, he'll actually say, Hey, you need to be on this road for 18 miles today. Like, all right. And then we're going to turn and do all this, you know, navigation. He'll actually, I don't even have my GPS out anymore. He'll actually stay on the route. And if I need to turn somewhere, he'll stay at the intersection, wait for me. Hey, take a left here. You're on this road for 10 more miles. So that way, like, you know, I know that I got 10 miles on this road, but I'm not always, always looking at the distance I have left. Right. Um, now, if, once we get closer, he'll be like, hey, man, you only got six miles left for the day. Now, all right, cool. That should take me about an hour, hour and a half. You know, it just depends how I feel and. You know, there's a lot of walking involved with this too. People think that, you know, it's all running. No, 
I wanted it to, I wanted it to be that way, but like when I started this out in San Diego, I hit it really, really hard that first week, really hard. And, uh, cause I was excited. I was pumped up, you know, I didn't pace myself. So now I'm, I walk more than I run, but you know, I'm still covering the miles, you know, so it's still, it's not how I wanted it to be, but it's still, still there. You know, I'm still doing it. So just make them for longer days. You yeah. Know, it, it definitely beat, a lot longer street, days, yeah. but it's easier on my body. You know, yeah. Carrying, like I was carrying a camelback too for a while and I had to stop just because it was hurting my back. It's not a lot of weight, but it carrying it all day just, you know, hurts your back when you're trying to run and the constant pounding of it. it yeah. Small things like that. So, you know, I'll carry a, a bottle of water, two bottles with me and he'll stop, you know, four or five miles out instead of seven or eight, you know? Right. And, uh, it's just a constant back and forth, you know, sometimes I'll stop for 30 minutes. Sometimes I'll stop just to not, just to grab a bottle and I'll keep going. You know, sometimes I'll stop, change my shoes, change my socks and then go, you know, it's just whatever I feel like I need. So it's, the, it's a lot. That, 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 all right. It's a lot. Even the 300 miles is a lot. It, it, it is. 80 and, miles uh, a day. The, what do you, so what, what's your target right now on the, on the, the 3000 mile run? Is it so many miles per day? Are you on like a really structured schedule as well? Or are you just kind of seeing how long it takes to get you there? Like what's, what's kind of your game plan for this one? So when I first planned everything and set out doing this, you know, I planned out four months and I scheduled in 30 days off. Because when I tried to do this last year, uh, before COVID hit, um, I was like, I think I can do it in three months. You know, that's what I, I thought that was a good 1,000 miles a month, you know. And then I'm glad, that's the only reason I'm glad COVID happened is because I'm glad I didn't try to do that because I would have never made it. Um, so this year when I planned it, I was like, you know, I'm going to give myself 30 days off. And that's still not enough. I'll, I'll be the first to say that, you know. But so when I started out, I, I covered a lot more ground than I thought I would. Uh, it's because it originally started out to be 37 miles a day. Mm. And now we've got it down to about 25 to 30 a day. It just depends on how far the RV park is, you know, the weather, how I feel and everything else. There's, it just depends. So it's between 25 and 30 miles a day. So it's still a lot, but it's not as much as it was with the time that I have left. So we like every day, if I cover more than I need to, we'll sit down or Michael sit down even and figure out how far left I have to go and divide that by how many days I have left. Oh, Hey man, you only have to do 25 miles a day or, you know, 25 to 30 miles a day. So like that makes it easier looking at it like that. And then once like yesterday, he, t cause I don't even know we were going to hit 2000 miles until I was done yesterday. He's like, Hey, good news. You just broke 2000 miles. I was like, really? I was like, oh, I, I thought we were, you know, <laughs> 80 or 90 miles away from that. He's like, no man, you, you just hit broke 2000 miles. So it's things like that that help help too, because you know, Oh wow. You know, I'm basically two thirds of the way done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like now you're on the downward slope, so to speak. Yeah. I'm sure it doesn't feel like that when you get up and get on the road in the morning, but you know, it, it you know, it's, it's, yeah. it does, but it does. And at the same time, like I know that I've, I've covered a lot, but like uh, I've ran through, part of missouri before you know i uh, ran all the way through illinois indiana and ohio before so that's going to be familiar territory and uh when i get to indiana i'm going to be stopping where i live for a couple of days you know seeing my son and seeing family and friends and everything else like that um 
and then heading you know, heading back out east to uh, Ohio, um, stopping in a town there where Save Twenty Two is at. Um, they're gonna have a big old thing for me when I get there. Uh, when I get to Pittsburgh, uh, there's a big event there, and then from Pittsburgh down to DC. So it's not like a straight shot across. Um, that's only like only that's just a straight shot. The shortest way across is like right at two thousand miles. And the route that I picked and planned for is, I, I never intentionally planned on it being 3,333 miles. But when I got done with the stops that I wanted to make, that's what it came out to be. I thought it was really ironic. Yeah. It's just pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's cool too. You say that, like you've, you just ran across the country yesterday. Like, I mean, the 2,000 miles, you know, straight shot, like you just did it. You just, yeah. you know. Ran across the country. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, that's awesome, man. The um, what's the like? What's been the biggest challenge to overcome for you through this? Um, uh, getting up every day and doing it again. Um, because this is way, way bigger than anything I've ever done. You know, physically, mentally, uh, but just making making myself get up and uh, getting out there, even though I know what it's for. Um, and that, that, that hasn't changed at all, but it's just like, you know, it's taken so much out of me and I tell people all the time, you know, do something every day that sucks. Right. Uh, so I try to apply that and I don't try to, I hate telling people to do something if I won't do it myself. So, you know, doing that, trying to do something that sucks every day for a good cause, you know, so it's just, you know, the days that I need to rest. The, you know, even though if I didn't plan to take off, you know, that's just part of it. I have to do that and then make up the miles as I go. So it's, like I said, there's, I planned for a million things, but there's a million things that I didn't plan for. Oh, yeah. That, so just deal with it as, as everything comes and hope for the best. Now, what do you, is it, what do you look forward to most, you know, on, on, in your days? Like, is there any part that, you know, besides um, the end, or maybe it is the end. He'd look forward to besides, it. Besides the end, you know, you know, every time I see the RV, I, I get a little sigh of relief because I know I can take a break if I need to for however long and, you know, sit in the air conditioning for a minute and rehydrate and, you know, eat and just rest for a minute. And then usually 90% of the time, you know, I'm like, all right, let's go out there and another couple hours and see how I feel then. You know, if I feel like I need to stop that day, if, you know, if I'm overextending myself or I'm too hot, too dehydrated or something, you know, then I'll stop, you know, it's yeah. just learning to listen to what my body needs and actually doing what it needs instead of just listening to it and ignoring it. Cause it's right. easy to do. Like if you're, if you're making good time, you're doing, making good strides and everything you're like, Oh, I can, I can cut out some major miles today if I keep this up, but I'm not trying to, you know, hurt myself and, you know, going past my goal is cool, but like, when you have 1300 miles to go, it's like, all right, just take your time, slow and steady. So, yeah. cause I'm not yeah, a fast yeah, runner yeah. at all. Um, yeah, it, it sounded like, what are you trying to pace between like nine and 10 minute miles? ish? try to, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, some days, you know, when you walk, it's, it's harder to do that. But, um, some days your shoes feel great. Some days they feel like they're going to you know, rip your feet off and that's, <laughs> and that's not fun, but, you know, 
best one of the best things the Marine Corps taught me is take care of your feet. You know. Yeah, man. When you meant, when you, I thought of that earlier when you're like, you know, changing my socks and all. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it you makes, remember like when you were doing those humps and stuff, and like when you get the chance to change the socks, man. It was like, God. Yeah, it's it. It makes a huge difference if you can do that, and like, you know civilians and people that don't know like think of that or hear that and they're like that doesn't make any sense why would that help at all <laughs> try it. it it really yeah. does yeah. like once you put in a lot of miles on a pair of shoes or a pair of socks change them out and you'll see yeah it, no 100 i mean I, I can relate and that's that's true and even um you know and again it, it pales in comparison to what you're doing but i i just from learning that like when i ran marathons and i would hit my little crew like halfway point i would i would have a change of socks because it, it's just like a breath of fresh air for your feet man like yeah it's just it's just comfortable it, it's just brings a whole brings just a new level of comfort back to you know what you're going through so yeah uh, do you, do, I mean, kind of <laughs> reminiscent a little bit, like, do you, did you, did you, do you get a bunch of blisters and all that stuff like that you're dealing with or have you kind of callous to that? Normally I don't get blisters just because I'm, you know, I, I run a lot, but I've gotten a few on this trip. Um, nothing that, you know, nothing horrible, but when you're not used to getting them anymore and you get them, you're like, oh, this, yeah, this still sucks really bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something you never get used to. But, um, yeah, it's not horrible, but you know, the few that I've gotten are like, all right, so rip it off, you know, pop it, you know, get it where it's going to heal and then put a bandaid over it or something over it, extra sock, whatever. And then just keep going. Right. Right. What's uh so we, we, you look forward to seeing the RV. What's, what's the thing you look, you, you least look forward to each day. Just the first getting out there again, just getting going. Yeah. Just getting going once. Once I get going, it's not bad. It's just getting going. And then, you know, there are days where it's, it's hard to keep going, but I think it's harder just to make that first initial step to get going. Yeah. Are you, um, listening to music? Like, what do you, are you listening to anything as you're going or? Sometimes it's music, sometimes it's podcasts, sometimes it's nothing. Um, it just, it just really depends how I feel that day. Um, I always have my headphones on, but there's not always something going on um most of the time there is but like there are days where i'm just like all right i need some I need some peace and quiet i need some you know some me time deal with some things that are going on in my head or whatever you know so that's that's been one of my favorite parts um of this whole journey so far because um i've talked to a lot of people about this and i knew when i was when i took this on this is going to be a, a it's for the for the cause, but it's all I knew it was also going to be a big journey for myself, because um, you know being out there all day by yourself, some people don't think that's a good idea because it's you know getting in your head can be a bad thing, but my one of my favorite things is like I've got to do that. I've got to deal with some of the some of the things that I've drug around in my life and in my head some things for years some things for 20 years, you know, and you have, you don't have nothing else to do. There's nothing to hide behind out there. You have to face that kind of stuff and facing it, you know, in a good way and getting to leave that kind of stuff behind, you know, dealing with it and getting through and getting over it and forgiving yourself for certain things or forgiving certain people for certain things they did to you and stuff and getting to leave that, that kind of stuff behind. And just the weight that you get from that that's gone. It's like, 
why did I hold on to that for so long? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's that meditative yeah. state of, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the biggest thing for me that I'm going to take away from this. And just the things that I've had, I've forced myself to come to terms with and forgive myself for, and other people for things they've done and stuff. It's like, this isn't going to change what happened, but you know, forgive yourself for it and then just move forward. And, you know, cause it's well, no matter what you do, it's already happened. So just make the best out of what's, what's coming instead of, you know, yeah. holding on to things that aren't going to, are going to change. Hi guys, Dale here. And I want to take a quick break and invite you to join me on lionsguide.com. You see, whether it was, at work dealing with the, man, the demands of the day or maintaining the demands of my life at home, I used to always seem to feel like my struggles were unique. Like somehow I was the only one struggling to find joy amidst all the weight that I felt that I was carrying each and every day. Uh, what I've come to realize is we all have our struggles that we're up against. And I'll further that to say that these struggles we face are pretty highly demanding. And the only way to really rise to those demands is to decide and make the change to adopt a growth mindset and become a high performer. And that's why I started Lions Guide. I want to help you break through to the next level of you and your ability to not only meet, but exceed those demands that are placed on you. And in doing so, find your joy again. So whether you're an entrepreneur or a business owner like I was or an organizational leader or a growth-minded individual ready to make a change, then, then I'm here for you. And this is how you get started. You visit lionsguide.com and sign up for subscriber access. Once you're signed up, you'll get special access to all of the free content and resources I'm putting out there for you. You'll also be invited to join my live online events where I give coaching and lessons in personal growth and high performance. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast as a subscriber, you'll get access to not only all the episodes, but also the yet to be released episodes as well. So, so get access to all this and more, no cost to you uh, at lionsguide.com. So, so let's get you a break out of that rut, break into your next level, join me on lionsguide.com and let's grow together. You know, so go to lionsguide.com and subscribe today. Now back to the show. I guess from some of that, like I'll say self-sorting for a minute. Um, have you like reached out and made amends to like, you know, past conflicts or anything like that? Like, have you, have you come off and go, you know, and, and what actions have you taken from kind of some of this at this point? Yeah. If any? Um, yeah, I have a couple. Um, the biggest ones are just for myself though. Like, you know, I've held a grudge against certain people for, you know, 18 years for something that was stupid. And I just, I was horrible about holding on to that. And like, Oh, they're a horrible person because they did this to me so long ago. And then, you know, coming to terms with some of the decisions I made with my life, you because know, I was a really bad alcoholic for a long time. You know, you know I, I've tried to commit suicide twice because mm-hmm. I thought that was the, that was the best choice. And now that I look back and I'm like, you know, forgive myself for that because, you know, that wasn't the right choice and that, and everything has worked out how it's supposed to. That alone right there is just accepting that everything's worked out how it's supposed to, even though everything's not worked out how I wanted to it's better than what it was, what I wanted to, what I thought I wanted at the time. And, uh, it's this, that, that feeling of forgiving myself and, uh, that it's, it's a, it's a freeing, very freeing feeling. And I'm looking forward to, you know, confronting some more things that I've still holding on to that I'm in the back of my head. I'm like, I don't want to deal with that, but you know, you know, I've already dealt with some pretty major things. So it's like, if I dealt with those, I can deal with this. Yeah, man. Good for you. Um, as far as the drinking, do you not drink anymore or just, just uh, learned how? I stopped how? drinking uh, almost, 
I stopped drinking completely almost seven months ago. Um, I wasn't drinking a lot at that time, but uh, the last time I drank, I was actually at a friend's house. We were doing a podcast, um, and I bought a six-pack, and I drank five of them. I wasn't drunk at all. Um, had a great time at, at his house on the show and everything, but as soon as I left, it just like I hit a wall with my depression. You know, I don't have any, I don't have PTSD, but I got depression real bad. I've had it for you know my entire life pretty much, and once I left, it was like I hit a wall with that depression, and like I was like I don't know if it was a drinking or not, but I'm gonna just you know I had a friend that was concerned about you know me driving home, which I was okay to drive, and I would have never gotten the car if I was wasn't okay, but you know and it gave me like a little out, little another outside perspective, you know on you know drinking, so I'm like you know I'm gonna take a break for a while and see if that's what's what's causing that or whatever. And then, um, it's been almost seven months. So now I'm just going to be like, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a permanent thing. I kind of, I don't want it to just because I truly do enjoy drinking beer. You know, you know, I don't drink liquor anymore. I haven't drank liquor for a long time. Uh, cause that was, that was my black hole liquor. You know, beer is a little different. I don't drink as much of it. And I don't get, I don't get wild on it, you know? And, uh, but if I get to that point and I want to try it again and it's okay, then cool. If not, then I'll just give it up. You know, I don't want to give it up, but I know that if it's for a, a good change then it's worth it. And just for the, the, the enjoying drinking beer, is it you enjoy, are you all into like the IPA stuff beer or just enjoy the, I like, I just I hanging like out drinking a beer? beer. I yeah, like okay. craft beer. I'm not a big IPA fan. Uh, I'll drink them, but I'm not all crazy about like Some people are about them, but mm-hmm. Um, there's a brewery where I live that just makes, you know, awesome beer and, you know, on hot days, it's, it's, I think it's fun to have a, you know, a couple beers with your friends, but not at the risk of my own, like, you know, sanity, I guess, you know? Yeah. You know, because it's a depressant, right? And it's, I don't know. How old are you? 33. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously when we're young and gunning, it's like whatever, but I don't know. As we grow older and life grows, it's seriousness, I guess. I don't know. But, um, yeah, because I, 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 that's where I've been. Like what you were saying, it's like I've, I've hit that so many times and taking these breaks where I'm just like, man, this is just not serving me. It's like just, it's putting this uh, we, in the house. We just kind of call it the cloud. And like it just puts this cloud, man. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, just dealing with this depressive states and depression. Like it's, and, and I, that's I've been there and I'm just relating to you on that. Like you just you hit that. Yeah. I get, I look at a beer and go, man, I just, I can't, man. I just, I don't want to be there. I know what's on the other side of that. I know that it yeah. just brings that cloud and some, some percentage, right. It's, it's, I know it's never not going to be there whether I drink a beer or two anymore. Right. I don't know if it's just come with age or what, but it's, um, it's something. And I talked to a lot of men about that at this point. And it's like one of these conversations, like a guy, a lot of guys don't talk about it. Like they just, like, oh man, no, I don't want to be judged by my friends. Like, you got to get over that judgment because I think, like you're saying, and I, I, I found as well, it's like, dude, it's not serving you. Like, it's, it's, um, it's, it's stealing from you. You know, exactly. And everyone wants, you know, everyone wants to fit in or use it as a crutch. You know, to help. They think it's helping them. High, you know, mask their problems or whatever. And it's, and it, like you said, it's not. It's not serving. Yeah. Them. 
No, I mean, it's a depressant. I mean, so, and always the thing for me was the, um, you know, the anti-socialism of it. Like you're there and you know, like you're standing there with a glass of water, a cup of water, whatever, you know, um, and you feel like you stick out like a sore thumb or, or whatever. So, uh, I, geez, I don't know. I, I haven't been drinking for a while now at this point within the last year, just totally done, done with it. Um, but I've been doing like Heineken zeros and stuff like that. So I'm standing there with a, with what looks like a beer. So I'm kind of like not an oddball. Right. Um, and that, that's helped, um, a lot, you know, frankly, you know, as far as the, the socialize. Oh yeah. You, know, you'll, the, you can definitely lose friends if you don't drink these days. I mean, isn't it? I mean, it's, uh, you know, we've, we found like you find out who, who your friends are and who your drinking buddies are, you know? Exactly. Um, you know, yeah. I, I have no, no qualms with anybody that can drink and, and it, and it not control them good for you i wish i could do that you know if you just do use it as you know socially and casually where it doesn't control your life good for you man i wish i had that kind of restraint yeah yeah and and it's just um you know sitting down and getting that clarity what's important to you you know and 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 then go from there right you know because i've had friends you know whether they've been inspired by me or whatever but come have come back to me and say like hey man i'm I'm done with it or I'm not, or I'm glad you said that, or I'm, I'm following your example or whatever. Um, and usually what I find the tipping point is like everything we just said, right. They're realizing it's not serving them in, in the drag that it's putting on their lives. But, um, you know, they start to realize what's more important than that. Right. And, and until that point, they haven't thought about it. Like, you know, exactly. what's, what's more important than this. Um, and then figuring out like those important things, that, how it's, um, being a detriment to them, whether it's, whether it's your relationship or your finances or just your ability to get more crap done, you know, because you lose, I mean, I tell it to all you kids out there, man, as you get older and yeah, it ain't getting, getting right back up and getting hard the next day anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. I carry that crap for two days. It feels like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's um, the main reason why I stopped drinking liquor, you know, a while, a long time ago, it's just because, you know, one or two shots and I feel it for two or three days. You know, if you get hammered, it's even worse. But we didn't have that in the Marines, man. It felt like you just no. don't even go to bed, you know. Yeah, just, you know oh, it's, it's time for PT. All right. Shot, let's go. You know, <laughs> yeah. Let's go for a run. How, <laughs> the formation runs. It just smells. It just yep. reeks of booze. You know, we're all sweating <laughs> it out. <laughs> and then I like to say right up when they're done, too, on top of that. Oh man, you know, I, in MC, MCT, I tried dip for the first time on a night hump and I didn't know you weren't supposed to swallow it. I'm freaking green. Like just oh, as <laughs> uh, things you try when you get in the record. The, um, uh, what's your, what is your recovery look like? What, what's, I guess I'm sure it's many things, but what's, what's the key to your recovery, you know, for these runs? Cause it's, it's a lot, man. I mean, just as we were talking about it and I'm just kind of playing it in my head, these miles, but what's, what's your recovery like to kind of get, get back in gear? Uh, right here, honestly, like that's the number one thing is, you know, staying hydrated because, you know, if that'll, that'll, that'll stop me quicker than anything will. Um, yeah. Other than injury, obviously, um, do a lot of stretching. Um, I'm on a couple different supplements for recovery too. Um, and, uh, it's, mindset is a lot of it you know yeah it's hard to like i said it's hard to get back out there you know a lot but just forcing myself to do it and then once i'm out there i'm like okay i'm glad i did this yeah any um like you meditate i mean obviously we talked about the meditative state of running but do you kind of like to get your head right do you do anything special Um, to kind of amp up 
I've never tried it. Um, I've had a couple people tell me about uh, some different exercises and stuff I should I need to try. I just haven't done it yet because I haven't emptied out my head yet to do that. And yeah. um, not like I know you don't have to you know empty your head out to to meditate, but like I've once I process everything I I want to process or I feel like I need to, then you know I definitely want to try it just to see because I know it's not going to make anything things any worse. So I definitely like to try sure. it because yeah, you know, it could help. Yeah, you don't know. I mean, I've, I've been recently this year kind of been exploring that side of things, whether it's meditation or, you know, Reiki and all these other other things that are out there and just kind of like trying to understand it. You know, like I like the way you said it, like it can't hurt. Right. And, and kind yeah. of understanding and, and experience and see if something, you know, helps or fits or, you know, gives you improvement or whatever. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. The, yeah. uh, as I'm far as like re- water though, that's for sure. <laughs> do you, um, do you do anything like, um, throw any like Pedialyte or anything in it to, for electrolyte replenishment or anything like that? I drink, I have Gatorade and stuff I drink too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we have some of those, those packets and stuff. I'm pretty sure. Um, some people gave us some of those, uh, basically like a Pedialyte, uh, popsicle. Uh, oh, really? stuff like, yeah. Stuff like that. So it's, it, it changes it up a little bit and, and that's nice. Just that little bit of a change is very welcome. Oh, I see. You drink that much water. I, I drink water anyways, like when I'm not doing this because I don't drink. Yeah. I, I, I take that back. I, I gave up drinking pop and soda when I turned 30 a couple of years ago. But since I stopped drinking alcohol, I've slowly started to start drinking pop again just here and there just to help offset a little bit. You know, I feel like I need I need some kind of bad habit in my life, you know. <laughs> So like, that's like the only good, good, bad habit I feel like I can have. That's not, not, not good for me, but it's not like, you know, it's not going to kill me like, you know, alcohol will or smoking or anything like that. Yeah. No kidding. It, yeah. It's not, it's not good. It's not great. But if you can moderate it and that's just your reward for the day and you, know, you have, yeah. a, have a, have a soda or whatever, you know, when, um, I out, have you, when I go out to eat, you know, I order one, one pop, you know, Sprite, Mountain Dew, whatever. Like Mountain Dew is my, my kryptonite. It always has been. But, you know, I order one and then I'll just drink water, water the rest of the, the meal, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of coffee? A lot of coffee in the mix? I like coffee. I love coffee. I just haven't drank much this trip. I don't know why. I just haven't. Like, because we have a coffee maker and we have a couple different kinds of coffee. I just and Mike's made it a couple times and I've only drank it like once or twice. Yeah. It's not that I don't, it's not that I don't like it. I just haven't. I haven't drank a lot of it this time. I don't know why. I think yeah, once I, I'm, I think once I'm done running and everything, I think I'll probably, you know, drink more of it. But I don't. I don't know why I haven't drank much lately. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. The um, it, it, and as far as your ability to refuel, right? I know, like trying to eat healthy is tough on the road normally for people traveling anyway. But so, are you just dining in? Or are you kind of strict on any kind of diet? Or are you just kind of like, look, I'm, I'm blowing a marathon a day, dude. So uh, I'm eating what I want. Mike you know? is actually, uh, he's a diabetic. So he has to eat, you know, certain foods and stuff. And he actually cooks yeah. every day. Uh, really? We, we eat out once every couple of weeks, you know, like if we're, if we're in if a big city like OKC, you know, we met up with some people and they took us out to eat, uh, you know, down in Texas too, you know. We're not against going out to eat, but like, so since he's a diabetic, so it's easier for him to make what he needs, and we always have protein and vegetables, and, and you know he makes things for me that he can't eat, but I'll you know I'll eat it too, you know. So, um, 
I don't really have a diet right now since I'm burning so much. I eat a lot of sweet yeah. stuff that I really shouldn't, but you know, gotta have you something. You are huh? like pounding a box of little Debbie's on the way. Yeah. yeah. Cause you, cause you can. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I went through a box of Twinkies in like a day, I think or a day and a half. <laughs> I'm like, I normally wouldn't do this, but I'm hungry and this sounds really good. Oh, it so, all sounds um, good. I have some people out in Texas sent me a great, great big tote bag full of like, Oreos, homemade chocolate chip cookies, Cheez-Its, and a bunch of other like trail mix stuff and other cookies. So, so you know, being on a stent of a lot of training, um, I wonder, so do you feel that though? Like what you're eating, like, do you feel no different now? No. So no. like eating the gidonk stuff doesn't bother you whether you're eating good or bad. Like right now, it's just all the same. Right now I don't. Yeah. I know. I know yeah. once I get done, I have to stop eating like this. Yeah. Um, or else I'll, you know, end up being a diabetic or weighing 300 pounds myself. So <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I know diabetes runs really bad in my family too. So yeah, I should probably not be eating what I'm eating now, but I'm justifying it right now. <laughs> yeah. Do you need to, um, I guess that's interesting, right? Do you need to kind of have like health check stations along the way? Or you, is that like a part of the plan where you're just getting doing like a, some sort of checkup medically along uh, the way? We went to a uh, uh, one of those IV bars. Uh, yeah, one one of those in Texas. Um, I haven't got an actual checkup. Uh, I probably should, but I'm just, you know, I know you can't feel if something's wrong, but like, I feel good yeah. overall. So like, if I feel like I'm, you know, I need to get checked on or whatever, I, I definitely will. Uh, sure. But uh, I, I went to a chiropractor. Uh, like a week ago or so that was amazing i'm gonna to try to find another one here soon because that that felt bad. i got a massage down in, in texas and it felt great but i was like so locked up after that for like four days sure yeah. so but the chiropractor is definitely a, a much needed and welcome to relief even during it and after so i'm gonna to try to find another one here soon yeah, that that's awesome. The, um, have you ever done ice baths or anything? I, I want to try a whole one. I've you know I've I've done my like my legs and stuff. Yeah. I'd like to try to do like a whole whole body one or you know just for a few minutes. But I I don't know if I could do it because I hate <laughs> I despise being cold, man. Like even after yeah. I'm outside all day and all this heat, I'll still take a, a scorching hot shower. Yeah. I'd, but I, I would definitely, if I could find a place where I could take a whole ice bath, I would tr at least try it. Yeah. the um, And I only bring that up. Um, earlier this year to raise some funds for a local youth association, I ran, uh, David Goggins puts out that this is this year was the second one, like the 4 by 4 by 48 or whatever. Yep. I've done that. And I, I did that last year. Yeah, I did a cool turkey ago. this year. It just kind of popped up. And dude, when I got, what? so what's that? Um, when I get, when I hit the halfway point, which was what, the fifth or sixth run, um, man, I was like, you know, just as I'm sure you feel every day, I'm like, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like just yeah. you're in your head. And, um, so after that sixth run, like going, man, I don't know, like this is, this is deep and farther I'd ever been. And, um, I went up, I've been reading a bunch of Wim Hof stuff or whatever, you know, Iceman, I don't know if you heard about that, but, um, but I went upstairs and I ran a, a cold bath. I threw, it wasn't a whole ice bath, but I threw ice in it and just shot it on cold. 
And I'm going to tell you, and I bring this up for you in case of, of any use or any opportunity, if you're in any, any motels or whatever, my next run was like my second run. It was like a complete reset from an inflammation standpoint, mm-hmm. just getting in that. Now, look, I, it sucks. The first two minutes, it sucks. But, um, it, you know, after, um, after two minutes, like your body kind of does its thing and kind of adjusts or whatever, um, whatever it's doing. Um, but I started doing that between every run and my whole second half were, were easy peasy. Like every run didn't feel as good as the first, but right. it felt as fine as the second. It's the only way I can explain it to people. Like my first, my first four miles, whatever. And then that second stint, you knew you would run four miles, but like I say, my seventh, eighth, ninth, all the way through 12th set, it felt like, you know, I had just, um, I was on that second set again, you know? So yeah. if you can, uh, muster up the curve, I mean, look, man, you muster up the courage to run 3,300 miles across <laughs> the country. <laughs> it's a, it's dip, a different dip, man. Dip it's world. different. <laughs> Uh, if you do it, uh, ping me. Cause I would, I would be interested to know someone like you, like what you're going through, if it has any, uh, any effect because it did. I mean, it just, and, and I think that's the science behind it. It's really like, uh, attacks all that inflammation and, and yeah. whatever. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting. Next, the next place I have a, a bathtub, I'll, I'll give it a shot and let you know. How all right, goes. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know. I, I, I'd be interested. Like, maybe you'd be like, man, I'm back at, you know, mile, mile 20 again, man. Let's go. You know, so. That would be nice. That would be, that'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, hopefully it serves you because uh, I know I know that, that, that look, it, it, it got me through the, the four by four by 48. Like, you know, if I kept just kept going as it was, um, I imagine sleep too. sleep a big, big. Yeah, I don't sleep very good at all. For you. No, <laughs> you would think I would sleep really good, but not. I haven't slept good since the Marine Corps. Um, you know, I can fall asleep pretty easy, but staying asleep is my problem. You know, I'm up every hour, hour and a half or so for a little bit. And like this morning, I was sleeping pretty good last night. Um, well, on and off, but I don't know, about 5.30 this morning or so. These dogs in the uh, RV next to us were barking like crazy. I'm like, waited out. They stopped barking for a minute. And I went back, to, almost back to sleep and they started barking again. All right, I'm up. So. Yeah, that's got to be the torture of it. Like knowing you need it and just yeah it, no, it sucks because i love sleep i just don't get a lot of it um right you know there are days when you know i can actually take a nap and that's that feels great i love that but yeah not sleeping is one of the harder things i guess yeah and, and you're um and you're on a tight schedule right you're like you you are on a set be there drop dead bait date right or, oh yeah november 13th yeah. i have to be there yeah and are you on track to get there on time yep as of right now yeah, yeah. um uh there's a bunch of people uh scott actually who introduced me to you uh yeah he actually is planning a big big get together when i get there um, i know people from indiana where i live are taking off work to gonna go out there for the weekend uh, so i'm hoping when i get there on the 13th of November that it's going to be a good, good time. I know it's going to be good for me because, you know, just to, just to see the end. And, um, I'm actually ending it at the Vietnam wall. Um, yeah. so that means that's a big deal to me too. Cause my uncle's in Vietnam. I know you, we both know how those guys were treated and stuff when they came home. So, um, it's just going to be, it's going to be very rewarding, um, for me. And, you know, people that I've, I've helped along the way and, you know, people that I've talked to and 
I don't think myself as uh, someone that can inspire someone, but you know, you know, people say that I have, and you know, I hope that it's in a good way, and I'm looking forward to hopefully helping as many people as I can doing this. Yeah, I mean, in in aside from finishing, right? Like that that's a part of the mission. But what is the mission overall? Like, what what to you is mission accomplished on the other side of this this thing? Oh, mission accomplished. Um, zero suicides a day. You know, which I know is a tremendous, uh, almost impossible, but. I don't think anything's impossible is if enough people are involved and enough things, uh, happen, you know, if people reach out, that's a big thing too. Like we can be here and to support everyone we can, but if people don't reach out to us to let us know that they're struggling, you know, or to get the help they need, then, you know, we're kind of, we, our hands are kind of tied. And, uh, but I think that, the ultimate goal is, you know, as long as I can help a, a single person along this journey, you know, 300, 3,000 miles, whatever, it's worth it, you know. Because like I said, like I told you earlier, the pain and the suffering and everything that I'm going through right now doesn't hold a candle to what they're going through every single day, you know. So, it's, you know, this is the least that I can do to help someone, you know. I you know a lot of people say that they don't see how I'm doing what I'm doing and stuff or the way they wish they could do it. They would if they could, and I know they would, you know. I only expect somebody to come out here and run 3,000 miles because it's not, you know, not the most sane thing I've ever thought of in my life. But, you know, I figured that, you know, something that I'm, I have some knowledge of and I'm somewhat decent at, you know, and use it for good, you know, because, you know, that there's enough negativity and dark crap out there in the world right now. Why not help bring the light to some people, you know, that are struggling? Yeah, no. And I think like, what's the awareness? Like, what do people need to know? Like that they don't, right? What, what, what do people need to know that you're, you're, you're trying to get out there more, you know, um, whether it's to the, the suicidal veteran or someone that, that that's a family member, like what, what, what are they, what are they, what are we missing? What do we, what do they need to know? Reach out to like, not just any, like reach out to people, Reach out to the, your strong friends, you know. Reach out to people that you don't even think are struggling. Ask them how their day was. A lot of times, these people that are struggling, not always, and I, you know, I'll, I'm very adamant about it, not always, but a lot of these times, these people want someone to talk to or want someone to talk to them, you know. Sometimes listening to someone else or just venting and, you know, everything else. That's, that's a huge step right there. It's not going to fix everything. That's just a huge step if, if, you know, I can call, there's, I've got a bunch of people that I can call because I've, you know, I've been doing this for a long time now. I know I can call any of these people at a certain, any time of the day, they're going to answer the phone if I'm struggling with something and, and listen to me. You know, if I need more than that, these people have organizations and connections where I can get the help that I need, you know, or whoever. So like, there's always an option. That's that's the thing like that you have options there's giving up just isn't one you know and we've been we've been taught that you know you know giving up is not an option surrender is not an option you know apply that to everything in your life not just the military life you know you know you're going through a divorce you're going through this you're going through that you know you're trying to stop drinking whatever you know reach out to someone hey man 
I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to deal with this. Listen to me for a minute or talk to me, you know, something, you know, if like I tell people, I'm not a therapist, never claim to be, I'll listen to you. I'll talk to you. If there's help that you need that I can't give you, I have connections where, you know, I can, we can help you get that help you need. So. Right. And, and if you're talking to a family member that's suspect of someone, you know, better in their life, they, you know, what, what could they be doing or what would, you know, what would, you know, what would help, you know, um, what, how can they help? Right. Cause I, I feel like that's yeah. a part, right. If you, you feel helpless when you see someone going through some struggling mentally or whatever, you, you, I mean, it's a, it's a helpless state. It's, it's definitely, you know, going through it is a helpless state, but especially being an onlooker, you know, and, yeah. and so what, what, what's some thoughts there? That's tough. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't want if you know that they're struggling and you know that they're, you know, dealing with some stuff, you don't want to like overwhelm them, you know, make them, you know, make them feel like they're inferior, like it doesn't matter and stuff like that. You know, just be there for them. You know, um, if that person needs something, you know, they need something, you know, try your best to help them out. You know, um, just there's, that's a tough question because there's not like a, a answer all for that, you know, love them, um, support them, you know, you know, if, if it's, if it's really drastic and really, you know, call someone else, you know, you know, if you have another veteran, you know, that can relate to them better, have them reach out to them, you know, or, you know, if it's worse than that, then, you know, Call, call the authorities because, you know, I would rather, I'd rather, you know, them deal with it and then have them get the help they need than hear about them, you know, making the wrong choice and then, you know, reading about their obituary, you know. I tell people all the time, I'd rather listen to your three-hour phone call than to read your obituary, you know, because it's, you're not alone, you know. I might not be able to understand everything you're going through or what you've been through, but I can help, you know. I'll listen to you. I can get you the help you need, you know, if that's what, if that's what it comes to. And then, you know, you'll realize later on, like I did, you know, we're supposed to be here. We're meant to be here. You know, we might not know what that reason is right away. You know, I feel like that I'm here to help people now, you know, once I, once I met Ryan and, you know, I got through that really dark part of my life, you know, I'm like, I know people that have called me in the middle of the night you know, I, I didn't want to answer the phone call to, you know, cause I wanted my sleep, but you know, answer that phone and hear their, what they're going through, you know, what would have happened if I didn't answer that phone call? I don't want that phone call, you know? So it's, it's never easy. So just don't give up. That's the, it's the hardest thing, but you know, it's worth it in the long run. I promise. Yeah. And you're, you're, uh, I don't know, man, you're living that by example with every step, man, you know, cause it's, it's that thing. It's like every step, it's just like, just take that next step. Just keep moving forward, you know, lean yeah. in, like keep, keep going, man. The bad, so, the bad times don't, don't last forever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, no. I'm, I'm proof of that. You know, I've been through a lot of crap in my life, you know, not more than anybody else, but you know, I dealt with it in a negative way for years, you know, and I'm glad that, I'm where I'm at in my life because, you know, I force myself to get out of my comfort zone. I force myself to do something that sucks, but it's paid off. 
a million fold, you know, just, yeah. just alone, alone in the people that I've met, you know, in the past like six, seven years, you know, I've got friendships now that I would have never had if I would have, if I would have never done this you know, yeah. or if I would have given up, you know, seven, eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah, man. Every, everyone's needed, man. I, I, I would say like, I like your point about just showing them the love, man. Like show them that they're yeah. loved and um, know that you're loved and, and surround yourself with those people, you know. Um, yeah. Know, know what's serving you, what's not serving you. It sucks because some people that are close to you aren't looking out for your best interest, you know, some people that yeah. you care about. And that's that's tough. And it's tough to let those kind of people go. But it's it's, it's what's best and it's what's necessary sometimes, you know. As hard as it yeah, is. It's a, it's a part of life. And that's one, that's a tough one, right? That, that takes a lot of courage to kind of face that, you know, the Absolutely. people that are not serving you, you know, just not congruent with where even just the direction you need to be going, right. Yeah. You know, they're just not congruent, you know, and, and, and it's, it's just the same conversation we had about the drinking, but it's just a different, it's yeah. just a different flavor. It's, it's not a beer, it's a person, right. It's, exactly. it's, that's, that's, that's hurting you, you know, and, and just like the alcohol, uh, or your diet or whatever else change that you know, you need to make. It's a, it's a tough one, man. It just takes a lot of courage to, to face it and, and yeah. go through that. Once you break through that and get to the other side, the view is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Things going to change, man. Yeah. Just take ownership and get it done. Well, yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> well, congratulations for you, man. Like good on you. You're freaking killing it. I mean, um, good on you, man. It's, it's very inspirational. It's, it's just, I've always said that like, like setting an example was just the best form of leadership, man. And, and I think, uh, you know, you doing this, just who you are and just choosing to do it and, and bring this awareness, man. I, I think it's awesome. I think telling your stories is needed and I hope more people can hear it. I hope, hope to serve that in this regard through, through this. And, and, um, you know, as far as supporting the mission, how can people find, connect, you know, get in touch with you, support your calls? Yeah, uh, we're on Facebook. Um, the Facebook page is called Because He's My Brother. Um, we do uh, updates on there almost every day. Um, if I'm running, uh, I'll do an update usually when I'm done for the day and let everybody know where I'm at, how, how the day went, everything like that. Um, on rest days, I don't, I don't post as much. Um, unless there's something I need to let people know, but, um, yeah, Facebook, um, there, uh, the PayPal and the Venmo links are on there too. If you guys can support it, if not, that's totally fine. Just my main thing is just share the info, share the page, invite your friends to the page. Um, you know, like I said, awareness is like the, the big thing that we're trying to do. And, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to continue this and keep knocking miles out. Yeah, man. Keep at it, man. That's awesome. 2,000 miles in, all downhill from here, brother. Thank so, you. Good for you. So so one more time, it's because he's my brother. You can just search it on Facebook and yep. we'll have the uh, Venmo. And, and, um, you got a big picture of me on there waving a flag, I think, or something, something crazy. So can't can't miss it. Yeah, man. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, man, I appreciate having on. Great conversation, man. Love story. I mean, thank you very much. You got me kind of fired up, man. And so, you know, <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it, man. I, I hope yeah. I 
you know, can influence some people for the good, man. I really do. You are, man. Don't, don't even, there's not a hope in that, man. You need to know that you are, you know, just doing this and setting an example. You are like, so there's, there is no hope. Just know, know that you are, dude. I mean, it's just having this conversation. Just me has been inspirational for me. I know, you know, my listeners here and it's going to be for them and and they share and tell it and, you know, and and you continue on your journey for the next two months, man, you know, so there's no hope. You you are doing a good thing, man. So no doubts there, man. So cool, brother. All right. I appreciate having on. We'll have to uh, check in again here soon and uh, maybe get you on after you're done and get the, uh, the second half story. So. All right, man. Thank you. Cool, brother. Thank you. Thank you.